you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and today I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, Since I started this podcast nearly a year ago, I've had a few people ask me what the purpose of it is and why I do it in the first place. Honestly, both are really good questions, and it just so happens that I had the opportunity this past week to give a presentation about that very thing. Uh, So in a departure from the norm, you'll mostly be hearing my voice this week. Apologies in advance. Uh, So thanks for inviting me to speak today. I really appreciate it. Uh, This is actually the first time I've given any kind of presentation like this uh, since college, which you dropped the date 2004, and that feels very long ago to me. Um, So today I'm talking about storytelling through podcasts. Uh, It's something I'm very passionate about. I'm very excited to talk about it. And uh, hopefully you guys are just as excited to hear about it. As a fair warning to all of you, I am going to be asking for some audience participation along the way. And there are not too many of you, so I might be able to pick out names that I remember from introductions. So good luck with that. Um, And for those listening online, uh, consider yourselves fortunate for now. But uh, so a little bit about me. Natalie actually did a really good job uh, introducing me, but I'm going to go through just a couple of things. Um, I'm not particularly fond of talking about myself, which may seem strange given the fact that uh, I host a podcast. But the great thing about hosting a podcast is you don't talk about yourself ever. You talk about other people, at least the way I do it. So that's really great. Uh, But fortunately, I'm going to get some help here and uh, throughout the presentation from a friend of mine, and his name is Otto the Fox. He's the confident one of the group. But to go through some of the highlights, I did graduate from Utah State with a degree in broadcast journalism. Uh, I helped build the student-run radio station there. Uh, When I got there, one didn't exist. I thought that was very strange. And it just so happened uh, that uh, one of my brother's friends, who also attended that school, was uh, an engineer, an audio engineer. And he knew how to do all the technical side of things. I knew how to do the manage the people, run the radio station, the music side of things. Uh, So together, we got a couple of other people uh, to build this radio station that I'm proud to say still exists today and is actually on the FM dial. And that takes a lot of work, so very proud of that. Um, After I graduated from Utah State, I started my career at KTAR, uh, which is News and Sports Talk Radio in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I was a technical director and an associate producer. Basically, I ran a soundboard, and I uh, helped filter phone calls and uh, ran shows uh, while I was there. Um, And I very quickly began to learn that if I wanted to have a family, which I did, uh, radio was not the way to go because hours are terrible, pay is terrible, and uh, this just wasn't going to work out. So I transitioned over to uh, corporate communications where I worked for about a decade. I worked for MGM Resorts, Scientific Games, and Comcast, amongst a couple of others. Um, After... One not great thing about working in communications, at least in the private sector, if any of you have experienced this, um, communications are usually the ones looked at as the first to go during layoffs. And so um, that gave me an opportunity to work at a lot of different places, which was great. Uh, But I decided that wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. So I uh, transitioned into advertising and worked in advertising for a couple of years with a uh, software company. just, it wasn't, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot of really cool things. Wasn't a great fit. Fortunately, this role came open, and I've been here at El Paso County for just over a year. 
Deb's been here a year as of today, everyone. One year today. Very exciting. Uh, so before we get into the story part of podcasts, I think it's important to talk about why you should do a podcast in the first place. What makes them so special? Well, there are 465 million listeners globally. 100 million in the US alone, which, quick math, is one-third of the country. One-third of the United States listens to podcasts. That's a very large audience. And when you're looking for ways to share uh, information with people, you want to try and find those large audiences, and this is clearly one of them. Even for those that are not listening, nearly 80% of people are at least aware of podcasts. So if you say the word podcast, like, oh, yeah, I know what that thing is, right? So, you know, it's, it's one of those things, at least to me, where it's really easy to have a conversation about. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm a part of this podcast, or our organization does this podcast. There's lots of information. People will generally know what you're talking about. And I think with a lot of other uh, communication tools that we have out there, if we require people to get on apps, if we require them to download this or visit this website or something like that, you know, it, it, to some people it may seem like asking a lot. But if you say, hey, just listen to a podcast, it seems a little bit more reasonable for a lot of folks. 28% of Americans, that's nearly 28 million people, listen to podcasts on a weekly basis. And those who do listen to an average of 11 episodes a week. 11 episodes. So those episodes generally range anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes is like the average length of a podcast. So people are investing a lot of their time listening to this information. One great, again, one great thing about podcasts is this next thing, which I think is probably the most important statistic. 59% of people tune into a podcast while they're doing something else. Unlike other mediums like watching a video or reading something where you have to be completely focused on that the entire time, for the podcast, you can be multitasking. You can be driving in your car, that's how I usually listen to podcasts, doing the dishes, running, if you're into that kind of thing. You can do a lot of different things. So people listen to podcasts. I think we established that, right? But what does that have to do with storytelling? Well, I'll get there in just a minute. We're going to play a fun game. It's a guessing game. I think those are fun games. Uh, to demonstrate the monetary value of stories. So three of the top revenue-generating ge verticals in entertainment are movies, books, and video games. Gary McGuire, great movie. All right, in 2022, first one with their hand up, how much do you think the movie industry was worth in 2022? In 2022 was a rough year. That's actually a really good point. But that said, the number is still pretty impressive. Any guesses? Sorry? 300 million. 300 billion. Oh, OK. Um, not quite there, although that would be very impressive. So 91.83 billion, which seemed like a lot to me. What about books? Books in 2022. You think it's higher than movies? What do you think? 250 billion with a B? 250 million. Oh, you think it's a lot less. Okay. 140.8, you were very close. 140.85 billion dollars for books. Books. Things that you read, physical things that you read. 
All right. Now, this number is from 2021. I couldn't get a 20, good 2022 number for this. But video games, what do we think? Uh, yeah, any, any brand of video games. That includes mobile games and all of that. 120 billion? 800 billion? Wow. That's true. It's true. 300 billion from the top? You 300 billion over there? Okay. That's actually not too far off. $188.73 billion. So why is this important? Well, actually, with some quick math, all told, that's $421.41 billion for the top three entertainment verticals that exist. Otto's a fan, by the way. He thinks that's pretty cool. That number is actually 27. For, if it was its own country, that'd be 27th in gross domestic product, right around where Austria sits. So there's a lot of value in storytelling entertainment. I don't think it's an understatement to say that in a financial sense, coming up with ways to tell stories is a good idea because people seem to consume them at remarkable rates. But as mostly government communicators, that's not really what we're looking for. We're not looking to make millions of dollars. At least I don't think so, are we? Looking to, no? Okay. We're not looking to make millions of dollars off of what we're producing. We're looking to make it accessible and easy for people to get and listen to. The real value of stories, at least in the way I look at it and I approach it for myself, comes in a much different form. And that looks a little more something like this. Right? It's a pretty familiar image. When you see it, what goes through your head? Like, what does this make you think of? Bad time. Best time is what I call it. Making connections. It's good. So maybe it's something you do with your kids now, you have kids, or something that you remember doing yourself with a parent, a grandparent, or another relative. Storytelling is a part of the fabric of just about every culture on the planet. And there's a reason for that. There are actually a lot of reasons for that. But some of those, at least, how I see it, include the fact that stories, they connect people. Whether it's to ideas, themes, or even other people, humans are built to seek out those connections. So it makes sense why we're drawn to stories in the first place because it's one of those things that we can gather around, that we can have in common. Stories also help us to understand others. They may not help us to agree with other people all the time. That's the hard thing to do. But they can be used as a bridge to traverse that gap between the way two people see the world. Also, since life is a shared experience, it helps demonstrate that. Stories are there to help share that experience between others. And what people think about, it, if you can understand what people think about, it can help inform you on how to share your own stories with those people. Now, knowing the elements of a story can actually help you identify how you want to tell your own stories. So I'm going to take us all back to third grade language arts class for a little bit. There are seven literary elements of storytelling. Can anyone name them? Seven elements of storytelling. 
I know we got some comms people in here. This is not. It, uh, that's more plot, plotting. I'll give you a hint. The first one is plot. That's the first one, plot. What's that? Inclusion? Oh, conclusion. Uh, no, that's also part of plotting. That's OK. Characters, yes. Nice job, Vernon, from the top row. Creativity. So creativity is actually plays a part in multiple elements of a story, but not quite uh, seen as like a specific element. Because if you're telling stories, sometimes they can be uh, autobiographies, which if someone were to write one about me, I don't know how creative it would be. But um, it's a part of a multiple elements. So conflict is one of them. Yeah, so we've got plot, characters, conflict. This theme, yes, thank you. Feel free to keep going, man. Point of view. Is this written somewhere? Oh, point of view, yes. There are a couple more, and I'll go ahead and give them to you. So we've got plot, tone, theme, setting, conflict, characters, and point of view. Pretty good, pretty good. So a plot is what happens in a story. A tone is the overall feeling of your story. The theme would be more of the why behind your story or what message you're trying to share in that story. The setting is where and when the story takes place. The conflict is the problem that drives the plot forward. Characters are the people or presences sometimes. You can have weather as a character. Today, weather is definitely a character. And then point of view is the perspective from which the story is viewed. <clears throat> so let's take a look at these for a minute. If you were someone that was wanting to start a podcast, how could some of these play a role in your thought process? Inform you on questions you're asking a person. Okay. See who the characters would be uh, based on the message you're trying to share. Okay. So a couple of the ones that I thought of is, uh, for me, one of the most important ones is tone. How is the podcast going to sound? How will I be interacting with my guests? Like, what kind of feel is it going to have? Is it going to be like friendly? Are we going to be telling jokes? Is it going to be like serious, more informational? How are we approaching that? Or even for something like setting, are we going to be in a studio? Do we need to figure that out? Or am I going to be going to various locations recording this? Is it going to have like that more out in the open feel? Or is it going to have that really tight sound of all the soundproof walls and things like that where people know you're in a studio? Or point of view, a really interesting one, is am I, am I the one that's going to be sharing the information? Or am I going to rely on others to share their stories and their points of view? Things to think about. But for the purposes of creating a podcast, not all of these elements are supremely essential. But these are all still worth keeping in the back of your mind, your mind as you are trying to intentionally share information with your audience. But if we're going to attempt to tell stories in the future, it's important to look to the past. And what I've learned myself about telling stories through podcasts is a few things. And I'll dive a bit deeper into them as we go along. Uh, the first one, in my opinion, the most important, is consistency is key. 
Nothing breaks the backs of fledgling productions more than lost momentum. If, you, if you, people have to guess when they're going to be hearing from you next, if you've ever been on the side of the relationship where maybe they don't call back in the you know, day or two, it's not fun, right? You're like, oh, what's really happening? Is this really a connection I've made? You don't know. You're left in the lurch. So consistency is key. Second is knowing your audience. If you don't know who you're creating something for or what their general preferences might be, then you probably don't have a good reason for why you're doing it in the first place. Third is identifying your style. So this is essentially brand consistency. Um, people need to know what to expect if they're going to listen to you over and over again. Um, I, I think of it more as, how am I going to make friends with my audience? How approachable am I going to be? Am I going to be asking rhetorical questions, or am I going to be uh, expecting other people who I have on the podcast with me to share that information and convey it to other people? And then fourth, skills required or not required. You'll see what I mean by this in just a little minute. So why is consistency so important? Talked about it a little bit, but nothing is more disengaging to your audience than not knowing when to expect you. If you wish your audience to continue tuning into your podcast, then you should maintain the same commitment to producing the episodes that they're expecting. Once you become unreliable, most people will fill that gap with some other form of information or entertainment. I mean, who doesn't want to rewatch The Office for the ninth time, right? We always return to the same thing on Netflix or on streaming platform of choice. It's comfortable. It's, it's something we can expect. We know what we're getting. And if we're not someone who is willing to deliver that same type of content, something that people can expect, something that they can know what they're getting, they're going to look somewhere else. Because as we saw before, there are plenty of different options for them. To maintain, to maintain that consistency, it's important to pick a routine that works for you. For some, you'll be able to push content out multiple times a week. For others, maybe once a month is really all you can reasonably expect. Uh, whatever you do, though, make sure that it's very clear to your audience what they can expect. As an example, I'm a fan of a podcast called The Rewatchables. Anyone a fan of The, Re the Rewatchables podcast? Just me. Okay. Well, people, get, people talk about movies that have come out that are rewatchable. They talk about what's great about it, what's terrible about it, and all kinds of things. But for a really, really long time, they were releasing episodes every Tuesday, just like clockwork. Every Tuesday, I'd be uh, getting ready in the morning. It would be downloading onto my phone. I could uh, put it on in the car, and that's part of my daily routine every Tuesday. Every now and though, they would be like a day late with an episode, or sometimes they'd release two episodes a week, but it'd be like on random days. And it seems innocent enough, but it really kind of threw off my groove. It made me miss that episode that one day, and then I'd be like, well, do I want to go back and catch up? I don't know, maybe not. But either way, like I said, it threw off my groove. And nobody likes to have their groove thrown off, right? No, nobody likes it, especially that guy. If you're worried about publishing on a consistent basis, there's actually a really terribly kept secret that you can implement, and that is binge producing. So you don't have to record one episode of a podcast every week or every month or based on whatever your production schedule is. You can actually 
do what I would prefer to do <laughs> if it was more possible. But it's great to take a day and edit and record five or six episodes or five or six episodes of your podcast in a whole day. And then that way, it can help you not only plan out what you're going to be doing over the course of the next five or six weeks, but it can give you time to do your research for other stuff you're doing. And yeah, you may look at that as, oh my gosh, I lost a day of work. But in the long run, that it really helps. Um, it really helps save you time in the long run. <clears throat> and for me, it helps with uh, not getting burnt out on trying to be that, that kind of creative thing all the time. If you're expected to do a certain thing every week all the time, it can, you can get into that feeling of burnout, and this helps to avoid that. One thing that you'll want to keep in mind, though, if you do opt for this strategy, is making sure that your content is evergreen. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, evergreen is just the idea that you're producing content that can be used any time of the year. Whether you know, it's in February or November, it's still relevant, it could still be good, and you can use it. If you're producing a news type style of podcast where you're sharing information that happened the previous week, obviously makes it a little bit more difficult. But if you're a shop of one, as I know a lot of government organizations are, it's important to try and think creatively about the type of content that you're releasing. Determining who our audience is is really important in how we go about telling our stories and sharing our message. And while you may not be planning elaborate pranks, for yourself or your audience, knowing their likes, dislikes, or expectations can actually go a long way to creating messaging that they can connect with. Even just understanding the general makeup of your audience can help you find some common footing. And while it certainly isn't reasonable to go around knocking on doors to get to know people, uh, census data exists, voting results exist for your area. It can actually play a really valuable role in identifying who your audience is and the kind of way that you want to be uh, interacting with them. And if nothing else, you'll be able to learn how engaged members of your community feel about different issues. Once you have an idea of what to say, though, knowing your audience also tells you the appropriate tone, one of those story elements, and voice of your message. Because if you are approaching people with the incorrect tone, they're going to meet you right away. So that's why that's one another reason why it's so important to keep in mind how you want to be talking to your audience. Speaking of tone, the style you choose can go a long way towards figuring out how you want to approach your podcast. So how do you, how do you decide what makes the most sense for your situation? A lot of this goes back to the question of, why are you doing the podcast in the first place? What are you hoping to accomplish? So actually, a few different approaches you can take when determining how you're going to tell your story and how you're going to start a podcast. The first is solo. This is a conversation with yourself. It's the easiest to schedule, but can also be very intimidating. All of the content is coming from you. Everyone's relying on whatever you have to say to be the voice of truth. Honestly, it's a, it's a lot to put on yourself. But if you are very knowledgeable about what you're sharing, it could be a really good way, especially if you want to knock out a lot of episodes at once, it can be a really good way to produce episodes. Next is having a co-host. You can have you and another person do uh, the talking between the two of you. It helps a lot to keep conversation fresh, uh, but now you're reliant on another person's schedule. And as we all know, scheduling can be extremely difficult. Next, and this is the way I choose to create mine, is through interviews. It's a show that's centered around interviewing other guests, showing them off 
as the experts or the ones that people really should be listening to to hear the conversation. It's easy to maintain a variety of topics that you're talking about, but it's difficult to schedule and it's sometimes really hard to find the content. Um, and we're gonna talk about this a little bit later, but it's um, trying to come up with ideas to continue the topic and the theme of your podcast forward. That can be really difficult and I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. Another option is a roundtable. Uh, this is where you have one or two regular hosts that multiple interview subjects are coming in, and this leads to probably the greatest type of discussion. Um, but the problem, at least the way I look at it, is it can be really difficult to maintain a good conversational flow. If you're ever in a conversation with more than two or three people at a time, you know how often people try and talk over each other and say, oh, I've got this to say, oh, I've got this to say. And especially when your only format for uh, sharing this information is through audio, it can get really garbled and get really hard to listen to. So maintaining that sort of clarity and that sort of flow that people are looking for uh, when they're trying to listen to it can be pretty difficult. And obviously, again, when you're trying to schedule four or five people to be on a show, that just makes uh, scheduling things a lot more difficult. A couple of others that are options, you have a documentary style podcast. This is more like long form storytelling. It may not be necessarily be a great fit for wherever you are, but it's really great at getting across uh, one specific idea at a time. Uh, I mean, this includes sound effects and a lot more production work, so it's a lot more labor intensive, and you probably need to have a few more specialists involved in uh, creating this kind of thing. Um, but the end product is definitely something that people will be able to like, have a really good feeling about inter and interact with. And then lastly, there's fiction. I don't know how many of us would be telling stories about fiction, but hey, who knows? Um, essentially, this is just a story. You think about a storybook, right? Something you'd listen to on Audible. Uh, it's, like I said, it's not a format that most folks in our realm will be diving into um, because essentially, you would think about it as writing and producing a book, which obviously very labor and time intensive. Uh, but if you do have the time and capability to produce something along these lines, please let me know. I might have an idea for you. I do wanna make one note here about content, and this is, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Oop. Talked about this a little bit earlier. Knowing what your content will be before you get started making your podcast is extremely critical. Uh, it's great to have a few good ideas, but the goal is to create something that has a central theme and that can go on as long as possible. You have to think like really, really big when you're starting your podcast. If you don't have 40 or 50 ideas come to mind of what episodes might like for your podcast, you probably need to broaden the scope a little bit more. Especially if you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna be producing say on a weekly basis, you're gonna run out of ideas in a year. And it may still seem like a lot, but that time goes by really fast. Now, if you're doing something more on like a monthly basis, of course, 40 or 50 may seem like a lot, but it's still something where you wanna make sure whatever you're producing has legs because you wanna make, you wanna keep that audience uh, as long as possible. Okay, now if you're not used to working in production, then the, the idea of putting together something like a podcast can seem pretty intimidating. And after all, there are a lot of things to consider. That said, in my opinion, if you can stitch together a PowerPoint presentation, I feel pretty confident that you can put together a podcast. 
It's important to have an idea, though, about what skills may or may not be necessary when considering if a podcast is the right approach for you. First off, you're going to need to be able to plan. Of course, we talked about this a little bit, but it can never be said enough. Consistency is key. Personally, my biggest hurdle is getting interviews scheduled in a manner that allows me to release an episode on a weekly basis. Uh, depending upon the style you choose, that may not be as much of a consideration, uh, but it's something to keep in mind. So if you know how to plan, and if you can work around other people's schedules really well, you're off to a great start. Uh, next, you should be comfortable conducting an interview. Again, what form the interview takes depends a lot about on what style of podcast you have, but generally, the art of asking and answering questions is integral to an engaging podcast. People want to be able to feel like they're sitting right next to you when you're recording that podcast and that they're a part of the conversation. And building great interview skills and knowing how to talk to people in that way really helps them feel like they're a part of that conversation. Even if you're doing a solo podcast, though, you'll find that asking a swath of rhetorical questions to your audience is often something you'll want to do. It, again, it helps keep them engaged. It helps, keep, it helps them know that you understand they're on the other side of that phone, that radio, or whatever, uh, listening to you. Script writing. So this is less about writing down word for word what you're going to say and more about focusing on and knowing the elements of what a script has. You've got your introduction, your plot, your conclusion. We talked about this a little bit earlier. All of these things help keep people engaged with what's being said. So it's important to get comfortable with mapping out a conversation, even if you're the only one on a microphone. And this is something that I've been asked like a fair amount, especially when I'm requesting to do interviews with other people for the podcast, they say, oh, can I get the questions beforehand? I want to know what I'm going to say. Well, for me, if you are identifying the correct people, they already know what they're going to say. And if they take a look at the questions and they write down their answers for them, they're going to build a script in their head. And when you're having that conversation with them, you're going to be able to tell that they're essentially reading off of a script. And it sounds much less natural of a conversation. And the person who's listening on the other side of the phone, or however they're listening, they're going to be able to pick up on that. And it's just a less engaging way to listen to people talk. So that's why script writing is really important, because you need to be able to work in those gaps. You need to be able, and again, why interviewing is so important, is because you are playing off of individuals that you're speaking with, and you need to know what the flow of the conversation is going to look like, so you can naturally go from one question to the next. Audio editing. OK, so this one admittedly, admittedly does sound pretty intimidating. But I promise all of you, it's not as bad as it sounds. How many of you have trimmed a video on your smartphone that you've taken? OK. If you've trimmed a video on your iPhone or your Android device, I'm pretty confident that you can edit your audio. Like with most creative things, there's certainly some certain nuance to it, and you'll learn those things along the way. But my suggestion would be to start basic and work your way from there. Evolving how your show sounds is actually a really important part of storytelling within your show. People like to feel like they were with you from the very beginning. And when they go back and listen to an early episode and be like, oh, man, like, the sound was a little grainy, didn't have its format completely down. But then you know, 20, 30 episodes in, as you move along, 
they'll evolve with you and they'll say, wow, like this has actually gotten a lot better. And it actually makes them want to continue listening because they can expect those same kind of improvements to happen as you produce more episodes. And not only that, but if, if you're targeting the right audience, and we talked about that a little bit before, those people who are early adopters, they're going to give you that grace you need to work out a couple of the kinks in your production. You know, if you have, you know, maybe it doesn't sound super great one time or, you know, maybe the editing wasn't tight and like there was some, you know, flubs in conversation, whatever that is, people appreciate that genuine sound of an actual conversation because most of the conversations I have have a lot of that built into it. None of us are talking like we're giving a uh, presentation in front of an audience whenever we're having a normal conversation with other people, with, with our friends. And the last thing is tech know-how. Okay, so this one does sound pretty big. But there's a reason much of what you need to know depends, again, on what kind of podcast you're going to create. I think of this more in terms of what do I need to make the show work and how do I get whatever I produce from here to there, here from the raw recording, there being out into the world as a production. For example, in my interview style podcast that I do, I have anywhere from one to three guests on at a time. Uh, that means I need four microphones with tabletop stands, four sets of headphones, a device that can record all of that sound, cables connecting it all together, and then a way to transfer that recording from a computer so I can edit it. That sounds like a lot, but I promise you, it's really, it's really not too bad. <laughs> and much of that technology used, though, is far more intuitive than it used to be. It used to be a long time ago, I am not going to say back in my day, but a long time ago, trying to get all of that set up was there would be 30 wires involved and things would be going here, there, and everywhere. Rooms would get really hot because of the equipment that you were using, but that's not how life is today. Fortunately, a lot of this stuff is pretty much as easy as plug and play. And again, that creates a really low barrier to entry. So when you're thinking about your own shop and what you have available to yourself, keep in mind that creating a podcast probably has the least production time of any sort of content that you're working on, be it written content, video content, for sure, um, anything else that you're creating for yourself outside of maybe social media posts. Those go pretty quick. So sticking with the tech side of things, I wanted to give you guys an idea of the sort of equipment that I use um, just to give you a feel for what you might expect if, it's, if this is the way you want to tell your stories. First, it's very important for me to say that I received some awesome direction from members of our AV team when I was setting this up. I knew a little bit about what I was doing, but those uh, guys and girls are the experts in what they do. And my podcast only sounds as good as it does today because they're experts in what they do. And um, we're very familiar with what I was asking for. So they did an awesome job helping me do my setup, and I really appreciate that. So first is the Rodecaster Pro. It looks uh, much less intimidating than that picture up there. It's essentially an audio board about this big, and it helps control everything from uh, mic levels to um, you can even play sound effects on there if you get super adventurous. Um, but it has inputs for uh, not only your microphones, but for Bluetooth and PC which is great because a lot of the times you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're trying to interview people who are remote. They're not able to come to you. You're not able to come to them. 
But this, again, makes it really super easy, plug and play, um, allows you to do those interviews. Um, and transferring the information, it's, this is the board that also records your conversations. Uh, it just has like a little micro SD card, easy to pull it out, put it into your laptop, and do what you need to in terms of editing it. All right, and for me, the most important device is your microphones. It's the most important because this is, again, how people are interacting with you. This is how they're, well, hearing your story is through these microphones. And if you have poor quality microphones, it makes it really easy to disengage. If you just try and think about listening to just about any AM station in your car, that's about what it would sound like if you don't have great microphones. Um, but if you have those really high quality microphones uh, that, can get, that can capture that sound, and um, depending upon how you want to tell your stories, block out sound around you, um, then it's really important to have those high quality microphones. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, we have Rode uh, pod mics, is what they're called. Really great. I don't think, I don't think they're too expensive. <clears throat> uh, the next consideration should be the software that you use to edit your podcast. Um, there are about as many options out there as there are websites, um, but there are actually a lot of really great free ones. Uh, as an example, GarageBand. If any of you are familiar with GarageBand, it's been around for decades. It's actually perfectly capable of doing what you need to create a legitimately good sounding podcast. Uh, I use an online software, it's called Soundtrap. You just get on their website and you can do all the editing from there. Um, there's a free version, again, that allows you to do all your editing, but there are also paid versions that offer different benefits. Uh, one of the really great benefits that it does provide is for if you get like the podcast version of it, uh, then they allow the creation of transcripts of your podcast. And in today's day and age, where I think it's important for all of us to be thinking about accessibility, transcripts are extremely important. And the way they come out of their system, super, I'd say probably 98% accurate. They pick up proper nouns. Uh, they pick up hard to spell names a lot of the times. It's actually really, really good. And for your part, all you have to do is a little bit of formatting, and you can um, you can have that uh, tra transcript for you to put up somewhere, to share it with someone if they're asking for it. And uh, lastly is determining which site you want to host your podcast on. Now, this is actually one of the more important things to know when you're going into your podcast because a lot of these different hosting services have a lot of different capabilities. Uh, I initially used Anchor FM, which is now, I think, called Spotify for Podcasters. And again, it's a great free option. And you've heard me say free a few times. Podcasting is not super expensive. There's a little bit of cost to get started with the equipment, but in terms of creating one and sending it out, it is very, very inexpensive, which again is a great way as communicators who work in government sectors, uh, something you wanna keep in mind. Um, so these services will allow you to upload your finished product and send it out to the world, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I, you know, any podcast service you can think of. And, one of the reasons why I switched to one called Podbean is because, again, different ones offer different services. Podbean and a number of others out there allow you to have your own web page. So not only, are you as, not only do you have a spot for people to go to and easy to say, hey, if you want to listen to the podcast, go to this website. But you also have the ability, like we have with uh, Beyond the Days, to post your transcripts there. So if you do have other, other supplemental materials 
materials, that's a hard word to say, um, then it is a way for you to share more information with your audience. If you want to get into video podcasting or have videos that you want to share with people on that web page that have to do with your podcast, that's another way you can do it, is by making sure one of your hosting services has that capability. Uh, fortunately, if you do want to switch, if you start out at one and you want to switch to another, it's actually pretty easy to make that switch between one and the other. Um, so don't feel, you know, don't feel uh, too much weight on the decision of, geez, where am I going to start? Uh, because you can switch, like I said, from one to the other pretty easily. Uh, ultimately, all these tools are used for the purpose of sharing your story with your audience. And in this day and age, someone is going to try and tell people what they think your story is. Happens all the time. I think it happens in the government sector a lot more often than most other places. Everyone out there wants to tell you what your organization thinks, what your organization does, what your stance on something is. Even if you work through media outlets, they tell other people what they think your story is based off of a conversation they had with you. And yeah, we do rely on them to be a little bit more above board and share it how we share it with them. But again, everyone has their own way of telling a story. And if it is important to you to tell a story, it's important for you to be the one that shares it. So instead of relying on others to get the facts right, it's important to let everyone hear it straight from the source. Take charge in sharing who you are or what your organization is about and show how you connect with people. After all, that is what we're trying to do. We're trying to connect with people. We're trying to show people that the work that we do matters and the work that we do improves their lives. Let your audience see you as people trying to do some good in the world and not people trying to bar them from living the life that they want. All right, now for the fun part, trying to answer a couple of questions if we have some time for it. I did get one question come in before, so I'll address that first. Um, this, was actually, this was actually really cool. Uh, this lady I met at a conference in Portland, uh, her name was Gretchen Pearsall. She's the Director of Strategic, strategic Communications uh, in Peoria, Peoria County, Illinois. Gosh, it's a mouthful. Uh, her question was, uh, one of the questions that has come up is if it's possible to outsource editing. Things to look for when doing that, uh, since they're concerned about the amount of staff time that they have. Great question, and honestly, something that you should definitely consider when you're trying to think of new ways to communicate to your audiences. So there are sites like Upwork and Fiverr that are options for relatively inexpensive freelance work. Um, in my opinion, it's definitely a you pay what you get for kind of situation. Uh, there are other podcast editing services uh, that can be very professional, uh, but you'll essentially be paying for another employee based off how much they charge. So you may as well hire an internal person to do the work themselves. Uh, aside from the cost, the biggest downside to outsourcing, of course, is the turnaround time. Uh, due to your release schedule, especially if you're wanting to do something on a weekly basis, uh, having to wait two or three business days, lag time for them to do that turnaround, uh, just may not work with what you're trying to do. Uh, so something to keep in mind as you try and approach this, for every 30 minutes you have in recording, you should, thinking, you should be thinking for yourself it takes about an hour to edit at least audio. It usually takes about twice as long to edit your uh, product as it takes to record your product. So if that is something where you're thinking, oh, maybe I actually do have the time to do that, uh, definitely what I would recommend. All right, any other questions?
Yes, Amy Jo Fields. Yes. So you talked about consistency in timing, but what about like theme and tone? Yeah, so theme and tone. So tone, again, for me is one of the more important things. It's how you are speaking with or to your audience. Um, when you're trying to develop a pattern for how you're going to put out your podcast or how you're going to sound on your podcast? Is this going to be like a fun type of conversational thing? Am I really looking for a more like new style formal uh, way to talk about, you know, whatever it is I'm going to be talking about? Those are the kinds of things I think about with tone. And there's certainly nothing wrong with kind of going back and forth between a couple of styles depending upon who you're talking with. But again, that goes back to how consistency is key. If people are coming to you and listening to you because they're expecting a certain thing, that's generally the kind of thing you want to try and give them. It doesn't hurt to, like I said, it doesn't hurt to mix it up a little bit, but uh, it's definitely something to consider. Uh, for theme, um, theme is one of those things where, at least how I view theme, is how do I, like, how do I want to share the information in terms of, you know, like, what is that information going to be? Am I going to be sharing, I'll just use as an example, the Beyond the Dais podcast. The theme for that is sharing stories about El Paso County. Very broad. It's something that you wouldn't expect to uh, uh, be too specific. But you want to make sure when you're thinking about that theme, you keep in mind, is this something that I can talk about now and talk about three weeks from now and four months from now and two years from now, right? So um, it's, it's a little bit more broad when I, when I think about theme, uh, but something, again, to consider when creating something. Yes. Uh, th th thank you for your presentation today, Mr. Anderson. Very much appreciate that. Uh -huh. um, I was wondering if you could give us some more specifics on, on how, on what would be the best um, platforms to launch from that our users would be able to access those podcasts and and how how what's the process for getting them on like spotify for example yeah so those hosting services that i talked about a little bit um uh it's now called spotify for podcasters i use podbean uh those services have the ability to send out your podcast to just about any podcast platform that exists spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, amazon music um, and then there are a lot of, I call them aggregate podcast uh, centers, uh, things like iHeartRadio or, uh, or TuneIn uh, that don't uh, host the, the podcast themselves, but get that feed from, say, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So the most important ones, if for some reason you don't want to put them on everything, uh, I would say the most important ones are Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, together, they make up about 85% of all podcast listens, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And was there something, got it? Okay. Scott, we have a question on Teams. This is okay. from Crystal. I would love to do a podcast. I just don't know if there's an appetite for it. And I foresee it being more informational to a particular audience that can be replayed as an educational resource. Is there a metric or method I can go through to assess if a podcast is worth it? Okay. That's, oh, that's actually a really good question. So um, one thing that is really great for me, at least, uh, difference between working at a private organization and for a public organization like uh, El Paso County is clicks and listens and things like that aren't 
as important. They are absolutely important because obviously you're wanting to get it out to a specific audience. But especially in for Crystal's question where she has very specific information that she's wanting to share with probably very specific individuals, a podcast is a really good way to do that because not only are you going to be able to host it somewhere where it exists for all time and is extremely easy to access, but people can listen to it when they want to listen to it. It's, it's on demand, right? And if there's anything we know about media, on demand is how people want things these days. So um, if you are in a position where the, you know, the number of people listening is not highest priority, which I think, again, for government organizations may be the thing. Like, we don't necessarily have to have um, you know, 5,000 people listening to get those ad clicks, to get the ad revenue in. We're creating information for people. We're creating a simple way for people to listen and interact with that information. And so, I mean, I would, I would encourage it if you have an idea for information that you want to share. And I would say if you have consistent ideas for information you want to share with those people, uh, absolutely, I would go for it. Hi, thanks for the presentation. Thank you. Um, as far as themes and the topic of knowing your audience, what do you recommend um, when you have a variety of different brands, different people you deal with, and you have a variety of different things to talk about, and say not work-related, but you want to be cognizant of, let's say if you have opinion podcasts, you know, I like sports, I want to talk about sports or current events, mm -hmm. but then I don't want it to be associated with, hey, if my opinion is radical and then it might not fall in line with, with hey, I work because I work for the county, or if I'm speaking on something with one friend, it might offend other friends or other friends may not relate. And so I kind of did a podcast for a little bit and I was like, okay, we'll have different YouTube logins so different people can go to different things that interest them. But if you have your core followers, you don't want them to have to go to multiple places. So how would you recommend navigating that? Yeah, so one nice thing about having core followers is generally speaking, they will follow you wherever you go because they want that information from you. Now, if you're concerned about people on the fringes who, you know, they're, they listen to your content sometimes and, then you like, and they like what you have to say, but then other times they're like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. I don't like what they're saying anymore. That's not something that I fortunately have to dabble in too much because, again, the way I'm sharing information is mostly informational. It's factual. It's not much of my opinion. It's more of what's happening, right? So again, if you're approaching this from the side of a government podcast, hopefully we're sharing things that are informational for our residents and for, for our audience at large. Um, if you are, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a different project, right? It's, it's a freelance project. It's something you're doing on your own time. has nothing to do with your work. Um, it is, it's definitely something, especially if you're in a communications role, it's definitely something where you do need to consider what am I saying on my free time? How might it affect what it, my work is? Um, because especially if we are public information officers, uh, our thoughts that we put out there in the world uh, definitely reflect on uh, the organization that we work for, whether we like to think that's fair or not. It's just kind of what it is, right? So um, I would say just uh, try and be a little bit more careful if you are doing something off the clock, uh, you know, out of the office that doesn't have to do with work. Uh, just I think as long as it remains respectful 
then yeah, I don't see any problem with that. Mm -hmm. I'll just monopolize this, sorry. What is your perspective on like saturation within an organization? Like for us, El Paso County, I mean, what if public health wanted to do a podcast or DHS, would that be too much or would that be relevant? Yeah, uh, so that, again, I, I think a lot of that has to depend on your audience that you're looking for, right? Uh, for our specific podcast, for Beyond the Dais, we're really trying to get as large of an audience as possible. Uh, residents of El Paso County is really the target, right? Because we're telling stories about El Paso County. If it's something, I think, a little, in my opinion, at least a little bit more specialized, like public health, like DHS, some other part of the organization, what I think is actually really nice about that is you can probably do a better job identifying who your audience is than someone like me who is like, well, I really want all of El Paso County to be listening. Of course, I'm going to be trying to target a more specific set of individuals, but public health, DHS, they know who their audience is a lot better. So, and there could certainly be some of that, uh, I guess you could call it like cross-contamination with your audiences. Like, oh, I listen to this podcast. Well, generally speaking, if you have someone who listens to one podcast, one government podcast, they probably listen to two or three, right? And so if they're in the habit of listening to podcasts that have to do with their local government, chances are they're probably going to want to hear what DHS has to say, what public health has to say, what other, some other department has to say. So I don't think that there's too big of a problem with oversaturation. I think it's just important to communicate with those other individuals and say, hey, like, what are you talking about? And more, more use that to your benefit in terms of, hey, I have a story to tell. You want to tell the same story. How do we attack that? Right? Or, hey, I talked about this this week. Yours is kind of related, but not the same. Maybe wait another week or two until you talk about that, right? So I would definitely recommend working with other people in your organization if there are multiple podcasts that exist, just so you can make sure your storytelling flows and it's not too stagnant. I have a question about copyright stuff. When mm -hmm. you're using music production, when you're using videos mm -hmm. to kind of spice up your uh, podcast, what service do you use or what outlets do you use to get licensed material that isn't extremely expensive or won't get you sued for a whole lot of money? Yeah, no, that, that great question. So uh, Creative Commons is out there. Uh, honestly, for a podcast, another thing that's really great about it, it's very low production value. So you don't have to be searching for videos. You don't have to be searching for sound bites. You don't have to be searching for a lot of that stuff if you don't want to. Um, so Creative Commons is actually a really good place. It's free that allows you to find music that you can use and not have to worry about someone coming after you for copyright. Uh, there are other services that exist out there that allow you to use, I, I guess you more call it licensed music. Um, they give you permission. Usually it's a subscription-based type of service. Uh, sometimes you can just buy a track from these services and say, I'm gonna use this for whatever, whenever I want. Um, but uh, at least for, it, you know, if you're doing video podcasts, something like that, I think there's a lot more conversation to be had with that. But if it's strictly just your audio podcast, the kind of things that I work around, um, Creative Commons is a good place to go. But there are a lot of opportunities for relatively inexpensive licensed music uh, that as long as you are a part of that subscription, then you can use it as much as you want. Um, we actually, it's funny, we actually just ran into this problem recently where we were switching from one service to another, so I had to change up the music I was using 
uh, for my intro and outro. But it really is just as simple as you know turning one off and turning the other one on. In that. Uh, mm. It's good no. as long as it's online. It's already, yeah, okay. I'm looking at my AV team because I want to make sure I'm, yeah, I'm the speaking truthfully. The answer to that is no. Uh, no, you don't have to go back and change all. So if, if, you had the, uh, if you had the license and you produced it and it's out there and you can show a published date behind that and you can show that you had that license at that time, good to go. If you stayed until the end of the presentation, I really do appreciate it. If you do have questions about how to start your own podcast, or if you have tips for me on how this one can be improved, uh, please feel free to email me at scottanderson at elpasoco.com. Uh, if you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, you can find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.